What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Dishes and Dimes podcast. I'm your host, Christian Oblena, and today is April 14, Wednesday afternoon. Uh, you are about to hear my conversation with Raven. Raven is back at Hoops Raven on Twitter. We're talking about, you know, last week I talked about the, the title contenders that I had for this year in the NBA uh, so far. And up next, we have the mid tier and playing teams so you know there's uh there's six i think there's around you know 10 to 10 or so teams that are in these you know that fall under this category but (laughs) we're not going to talk about all 10 teams obviously but we talked about the most interesting storylines interesting trends um talking points about some of these teams and what we think they could accomplish uh, heading into the playoff race so once again hope you enjoy my conversation with raven and enjoy the episode and here we are another episode of the dishes and dimes podcast we got hoops raven back on the pod what's up bro how you doing i've been good i've been good how are you i'm i'm all right i'm all right (laughs) glad Um, to be back yeah so today uh we just wanted to talk about a lot of this so last week i talked about um you know the the title contenders that i see yeah. uh heading into this last stretch of the season we have it today's april 14th 2021 we are about a month legit about a month yeah uh, until the end of the nba season uh, i just want to throw this out to you uh this morning kd was ruled out today he uh, Played last night against the Wolves and they destroyed the Wolves. He, he was going off, um, you know, just classic KD fashion. But, you know, today they're playing the Sixers on ESPN. It's a marquee matchup. These two teams are the top two teams of the Eastern Conference. And KD's ruled out. Uh, Kyrie didn't play in Minnesota for personal reasons. And Harden is still being worked back from the hamstring injury. So, Unless the other two can play, it seems like the big three in Brooklyn isn't going to be playing against Philadelphia in this game where they're both tied for the number one seed, all that stuff. Um, Katie's clearly healthy and he looks great, but he's not going to be playing in a back-to-back series. The Nets obviously just want to, you know, save their stars. Uh, But... It's interesting that they're doing it. I would rather have rested KD for the Wolves game, correct? Yeah, I I think from like a, like from a fan perspective, it doesn't make sense for KD to play at least against the six the Sixers because it's a more like you said it's a nationally televised game. It's a marquee matchup. Um, I think what the Nets are trying to do for now is just I think like what you said the the Wolves are a much easier team to face than the Philadelphia 76ers, especially with Embiid and, and Simmons. Um, I think right now they're just trying to be really precautious with Kevin Durant. Um, it just sucks for the Nets because they just can't seem to get like, I guess their big three like together in, in one in one game, trying to have them like build chemistry off of each other for the playoffs. And I think also, um, if I looked at the report right, um, I think LaMarcus and Blake might be also questionable for tonight's game, which is even a bigger blow. Um, I think it's. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of, at least for Kevin Durant's sake, and then also James Harden, a bunch of DNPs for the rest of the season, just so they can be healthy for the playoffs. 
I can't really speak on on Kyrie's behalf or just like what's going through him right now, but I, I think it's also just unfortunate not being able to see the three play before the playoffs. Yeah, and, and that kind of begs a question, like especially for this super team that they've kind of created. Mm-hmm. You can't. You kind of. You can't create that chemistry. Like you can't just generate mm-hmm. that out of the blue you can't just flip a switch you kind of the, the teams that are able to flip a switch are teams that know each other that know yeah. who they are they have have an identity and even with all the talent that they have all the you know all-stars former all-stars whatever whatever you want to say about this team it, it's a little scary just mm-hmm. just from past iterations of super teams where you know, if they can't get their bearings right, if if it takes too long for them to kind of gain that chemistry, then it's just kind of, it's kind of go, it's going to go south, you know, but yeah. it's just interesting. But I agree, like they, they're definitely sure that they want to rest these guys. They, you know, a, a different kind of perspective would be like, they don't want to show their starting lineup against a team that they could possibly face in the Eastern conference finals, um, all all that stuff, which kind of begs the question, like, uh, are these regular season games, you know, some of them just don't matter. And that's kind of what sucks about today's NBA, which, which is fair. It's, it's, it's a fair kind of perspective from the fans perspective. You know, I want to see KD play. I want to see Kyrie play, but then again, when we're thinking about from Brooklyn's perspective, I want these guys to be mm-hmm. fully healthy in the second round, third round, you know, maybe in the yeah. finals if, if they end up making it. But <coughs> excuse me. But yeah, that's I guess I just wanted to start off with that. But uh let's get into it. Mid-tier teams. We have a lot of teams to kind of talk about, but let's start off with Denver because even though I kind of put them in the contenders episode last week, they just lost Jamal Murray. Yeah. Uh, really sad ACL injury again with these ACLs, these knee injuries, always just super sad to see. And it was non-contact. He was about to go out for a layup at the end of the game in the final minute against the Warriors. And... It was just ugly. He, just, yeah. he blew out his knee. You could tell. And, you know, he he missed the previous four games with a knee injury. Mm-hmm. You kind of have, have to suspect that it was, he didn't come back fully healthy. Yeah. Like, they kind of put him back out there. He was questionable all day long. He was a game-time decision. They kind of put him in there to play against Steph who had an historic night. He became the leading scorer for the Warriors franchise, all that that good stuff. But you kind of have to ask the question, was it worth, I mean, obviously it was not worth. He he (laughs) re-injured his knee and we all know with those lower leg injuries, they kind of connect with each other, right? Like in the 2019 finals, Katie, he was out with a hamstring and all those hamstring Injuries kind of, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but obviously I, yeah. I've read a lot about stuff where, you know, Achilles, it, they kind of, it connects. It, it, it's this whole like connection between kind of, 
at the foot area all the way up to the hamstring. And so mm. you kind of have to suspect that this ACL is not a surprise, even if, you know, he seemed to be fully healthy coming into the game. I think it's a lot, a lot of it just has to do with also just having a shortened season or a shortened off season, especially since the Denver Nuggets is a team that made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals. Um, yeah, just, just the Jamal Murray injury is unfortunate because even, even though he was cleared to play, even though he felt okay, like literally like a freak accident, just like had they cost him like part of his career and also like the, also the Denver Nuggets like season because they like what you said they really had high, there was a little high, there was a lot of high hopes for them uh, to actually be a contender in the Western Conference Finals, especially after they acquired Aaron Gordon. And he would seem to be like a tremendous fit for them, especially with Jokic's passing and his ability to like attack the re- <clears throat> attack the lane, finish, cut, and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, it's really unfortunate for the Denver Nuggets. So I think like when you mentioned about um, Kevin Durant earlier, um, I think this is one of the reasons why it's, it's good for teams to rest their stars as much as possible, especially with this season, because you've seen a lot of injuries to other players as well. Like Joel Embiid was injured and he was having an MVP season. So he was out for a couple, like for a couple of weeks. Um, Same thing with the Lakers. We have um, Anthony Davis has been out since I would say February. And then LeBron was also out since a little bit after the all-star break. So you're having all these injured stars because they're not being able to rest as well. And then same thing with the Miami Heat before they were able to turn around this in the second half of the season. Like they were dealing with a lot of nagging injuries, especially with Jimmy Butler and Goran Dragic. So I think um in the in I guess in the case of Jamal Murray, it's just it's a kind of like a testament to see or just like a proof to see that it's it's good to rest your stars for a little bit, just so you can prepare them for the playoffs at least. Yeah, so I guess I mean we both know that. Denver now is just out of the title race. There's just no way that, you know, this team, their second best player, the, you know, the bubble Murray, all all that stuff like that just isn't possible for them um, without their second best player. And so the question is for them, are they a team to plummet without Murray? You know, can they stay above the play-in? They, they have two games left against the Blazers for the rest of the season. Blazers are sitting at the the sixth spot. And, you know, the Blazers are now they're getting a lot healthier. Nurkic and, and CJ is back. They're kind of getting back into it. Yeah. They have Norman Powell, who they just got uh, through the trade deadline. Uh, do you think Denver is kind of in trouble in terms of falling down to the play-in? I think with Denver, even though losing Jamal Murray is a big blow, I think they'll be okay for the rest of the season. Um, even though they lost one of their star players, Denver plays in a system where it's a lot of ball movement heavy and just a rotation base. So even though they don't have like their primary scorer in Jamal Murray, they still have Jokic who can facilitate and score off the post, um, hit long range shots. Um, I think that means just for the Nuggets' sake, um, Monte Morris is going to step in as their starting point guard. Um, Pazu as Campazo, um, hopefully I said that I said his name right. Um, he's going to have a lot of minutes backing up 
or having the backup point guard position. I think the Nuggets will still be pretty competitive for the remainder of the season, but just I think their window for winning a title or at least contending for the finals is going to be cut really, really short. But I think I still have I still have hopes for the Denver Nuggets. Either they maintain their fifth seed, fifth or sixth seed, but I don't think they'll have to play in the play-in. Yeah, and you know it it could be a scenario where Jokic can lock up the MVP race. Let, let's say he in the the last week or two, you know, he is the prohibitive favorite uh, for the MVP. And now Murray's gone. He's already been destroying the stat sheet. Um, Efficiency-wise, what he does on the court for them, everything is just through him. And if they can somehow kind of stay in this 4-5 level, and, you know, that that is already a way for him to win the MVP. Like, we saw... Russell Westbrook win it because he averaged a triple double, and I think they were like a a fifth seed, I believe, that year where they where he won the MVP. So it's just really interesting. Um, but enough about Denver. Let's we mentioned the Blazers. Let's, let's talk about Portland real quick now. Uh, they had to get carried by Dame pretty much all throughout the season. Again, like I mentioned before, CJ and Nurk are back. They have those two games against Denver, so it actually could work against their favorite if they could win those games. They actually have a pretty hard schedule for the rest of the way. They're third in strength of schedule, so pretty much that means they have the third hardest schedule for the rest of the way. It's a classic Portland season, seventh in offensive rating, 29th in defensive rating, uh, very Damon CJ dependent. This season kind of reminds me of every other Portland season in the past three, four years where they're just depending on Damon CJ to kind of carry them to where they want to be. And I kind of don't really see them getting there unless it's just another magical Dame season or in the playoffs. Yeah. When during the trade deadline, I was kind of, they're one of the teams that I was hoping would try to make a play for Aaron Gordon. I, 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 I like Norman Powell on that team. It's the only thing is I feel like what they really needed from that team is a defensive presence or just someone like a big wing defender. I feel like Norman Norman Powell is a little bit under like undersized. They have a good, like you said, like they have a really good offensive team, like you saw with Dame Time last year and even Dame this season. Like I think he's, especially after the in, injuries with Embiid, injuries with LeBron, People are making case for him trying to becoming an MVP candidate. Um, but yeah, I think with the case of Portland for this season, um, let's see, they're currently six, they're currently six in the in the Western Conference, but there's a chance that they can slip in under to the play in the play in tourney again, like last year in the bubble. Um, but I think with Portland, yeah, it's just probably just going to be seeing a lot of what unless they make like a big move at their next off in the next off season i can see another first round exit or just a play, another play in for um the blazers yeah i think the best case scenario for them if we're looking at the standings you said they're sixth which means 
you know, if, if the playoffs started tomorrow, they would be playing the Clippers in the first round, which would be a really interesting playoff matchup. I think if I'm the Blazers, I want to play Phoenix just in terms of, even though I think, I actually think Phoenix is really good and any team led by Chris Paul is going to make noise in the playoffs no matter what. I think it's just a better matchup for them. Obviously, they don't have to guard Paul George and Kawhi Leonard uh, for a whole seven-game series. They have a lot of youth on Phoenix, even though I think Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges and this whole like young core is really good. I just, you know, with youth in the playoffs, first time around, you kind of you kind of have to add that in in the equation. If I'm the Blazers, I want to stay sixth. I if if they go up to five, and I mean, I think the Lakers are going to stay in this four or five range. I just don't think, especially with their guys coming back healthy uh, soon, and even even then, like if we're talking about the Lakers right now, like they're just they just win games. Like uh, even though they don't have Braun and or AD, which is kind of incredible to me, but. Yeah, after all the things you said about the Blazers, it's just who do they want to play in the first round? I would, if I'm them, I'd want to see Phoenix. Also, just from a fan, from a fan's perspective, I think CP3 and Devin Booker against Damon CJ would be really, really fun. Uh, but I guess that's enough for the Blazers. We kind of agree on the same points there. Let's go on to the number seven seed that is atop of the play-in, um, who I think. I'm putting in this mid-tier just because there's such a scary matchup in the first round. Even if they stay at that seven spot, I'm pretty sure they'll beat whoever's in the eighth spot, whether that's Memphis, San Antonio, or if the Warriors make it up to the eighth spot, you know, that's probably the other team that can scare Dallas in a playing game just because Steph can just go crazy. But if I'm Dallas, I, I feel pretty confident in staying in that seven spot just because of having Luca and him in a playing game would just be so great. They had some interesting comments uh, in their last, I think, t- two games, two nights ago. Uh, Mark Cuban and also Luca talking about how they don't like the play in situation. They don't like the idea of having to kind of prove that they belong in the seventh spot uh i think they just said it just because they're kind of in that spot like if they were sitting in the five seat i don't think they would be complaining about the playing tournament i don't know what did you think about those comments i think um yeah at first when i when i saw the the rules for the playing at least for this season i think i kind of thought like if you're if you're the seventh seed um, and you lose to a 10th seed, then do you really belong in the playoffs? Um, and also just like, it's very rare that you see like a 7th seed or an 8th seed toppling a 1 and 2 seed, or even going to the Western Conference Finals for that for that point. I think the last team to do it was, or I think it's been more than 20, been more than 20 years, right? I think since like an eight seed made it to the at least to the conference final of it. Um, I have no idea. I remember the lockout season ninety nine. Yeah, 
the Knicks made it and they're like the eighth seed, but that was seed, like, yeah. that was like such a weird season. But uh, I can't remember off the top of my head if other seven or eight seeds that made it to the Western Conference Finals. I mean, the latest one was pretty much last year with Miami as a fifth seed. Fifth seed, yeah. I don't remember anyone else, but yeah, it could be I an think, interesting stat. Yeah, because I think the close, at least the closest I remember was at least the we. I think it was the We Believe Warriors when they went in six against the Jazz, right? I think in oh seven. Yeah, so that season they were the eighth seed. They beat Dallas. the one seed Dallas, but they lost against Utah who was, I think, the fourth seed. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they made a second round. I think they lost in five games. So, mm-hmm. okay, th- that was pretty much like the closest that eighth seed, I think, in the past couple of years, in the last decade or so. But could be wrong. Yeah. Uh, Dallas is, is an interesting team. They're very Luka-dependent, same as, mm-hmm. you know, Portland being very Dame-dependent. It's clear that Porzingis... Is a very shaky number two. Um, he could still be really impactful, obviously, when he's actually in the paint and not yeah. <laughs> and not like shooting threes. Like sometimes the shots he'll take. I'm I'm watching these Mavs games sometimes, and the shots he takes are just like they're, they're like close to the logo. Like yeah, I, I, I just the catch as, shoot. <laughs> yeah as as good of as good as a shooter he is. Like I'm I don't want my seven three center like shooting yeah. from the logo right. Uh, they still have Maxi Kleber's out. Uh, they added Nico Melli and mm-hmm. Redick, who are pretty good compliments to Luca. Uh, you just want to spread the floor with him. Jalen Brunson, I like. He is kind of a dark horse six man of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Clarkson has been injured for the last uh, couple games or week or so. And he kind of has the case if if his stats are like pretty good. But again, I think Dallas is just in this mid tier just because they're they're pretty scary. Yeah, yeah, like if if I'm if I'm the Clippers again, like they could obviously facing as the Clippers again. Maybe Phoenix, um, you know, Phoenix Dallas would be an interesting first round matchup that could kind of go either way. Like, or I could kind of talk myself into seeing Dallas beating any of these teams yeah. at number two if, if it's. Maybe Phoenix catches up to the one seed and it's Dallas, Utah, right? Mm-hmm. Like none of these teams are kind of a lock to beat the Dallas Mavericks in a first round matchup. Yeah. I think, yeah, I just think with Luca, he like he says, he's like a very he's an MVP candidate as well. Um he's very good at facilitating towards his teammates. But I think just the big thing is um, Porzingis and how he performs in the off or in the off season, the postseason. Uh, like you said, he shoots a lot of he shoots a lot of threes for a seven footer. I would like to see him a, with a bit more post game because um, he I just wanted to be more aggressive in the post, so um, defenses can be more um, honest with them, and he can and then he can stretch out stretch out the floor. But yeah, I agree with you. I think I think Dallas out of at least the four the four teams or even five teams I see in this, in this playoff or this play in uh, contention, I think they're the scariest to come out and challenge the first or second seed. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, Dallas is just right there. I, it's, I thought they would be a lot higher in the standings this year, just mm-hmm. from all the momentum from last year and, 
you know, almost being the Clippers and not having a healthy Przingis throughout that series, you, you'd think that they'd come back and this season, but, you know, Luca came in the season out of shape and, yeah. and Przingis was kind of injured for the first month or so. And now they're here, but they've made a pretty, pretty great run in the last couple months. Um, so let's see if they can kind of make it to Portland who just lost last night against Celtics. Mm-hmm. Um, let's move on to the Eastern conference. I have only one team in this kind of mid tier kind of looking on the outside of all the other uh, uh, contenders in the East. Obviously we have the Sixers, Nets and Bucks. Those are the kind of favorites in terms of making it to the Eastern conference finals, or at least competing for a finals. Uh, we talked about this before we started recording, but the the four seed to the eighth seed is split up by two games, right? We have the Hawks, Celtics, Heat, Hornets, Knicks. And the one team I have kind of looking on the outside in for the contenders is the Heat. Um, the Heat really rough COVID season. I think probably the team that got hit the hardest with COVID, if I'm not mistaken, just in terms of guys missing games and games being kind of um, postponed and all 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 that stuff. Mm -hmm. But they added Oladipo. He had this freakish knee injury uh, a week or two ago. And we all know he had like that quad injury, obviously, that he was working back from, from the last like two years. And there's still no timetable for his return. So that's pretty scary to think if you're a heat fan, they're the kind of the opposite of Portland. <laughs> they're 26 in offensive rating. They're third in defensive rating, very classic Eric, Eric team. Uh, I was watching their game last night against the Suns, And what scares me about them is kind of is the same thing with like, the Warriors in terms of the system and, and how they kind of generate their shots mm-hmm. is very predictable in terms of they have this classic motion that they're running split action with Harrow and Duncan and yeah. you know DHOs and like the very predictable things that, that, that they're running. And I don't know, it, it I'm, I'm kind of having this, debate with myself in terms of I trust I trust this team like I trust this team in the playoffs I trust Eric Spolstra uh, Jimmy Butler Bam Adebayo I trust their vets I trust their young guys as well but in this type of season it seems like offense is is just king like offense kind of dictates each game uh, that I'm just watching every day and I don't know. Do they have enough offense to kind of stick or just kind of hang with the top teams? Um, I think for the, for the heat, I thought that Oladipo trade was really good. Just, in the, in, just because they didn't have to give up any of their young, young, their young, their young prospects or not even prospects at this point. They're just really good young players in none. They didn't have to give up Robinson. They didn't have to give up hero, which I thought was good. I really wanted them to, I really hope that they would get um, LaMarcus Aldridge off of buyouts just because I just feel like he would be a perfect fit at the four slot next to Bam where he can help sp- spread the floor and pass out and pass out in the post or run high low. Um, but like you said, their offense is very predictable right now. 
Um, it's a lot of screen, a lot of off ball screens for either here or Duncan in the top of the three point line or, or in either side of the wing. Um, and like with Jimmy not having like a reliable three point shot, I think like at least one of the biggest reasons why Miami was so successful last last postseason was just because of their defense and and Spolstra, Spolstra's coaching. I think in the playoffs they're gonna have they're gonna make a lot of noise at least on the defensive end because compared to like the regular season, the postseason you have at most seven at most seven games or at least four. So with the same team, so coaches are gonna be able to you know like switch matchups see what's good for them, see what works, see what doesn't. And then they can counter other teams' offense like that. I think Spolster does a really good job with with, try, with adjusting to different teams' offenses. So, And then after that, like the, the offense will come later. Like if they play really good defense and then they can either run the break or just wear teams down, I think that's good enough for them to at least advance into the second round. And even have another competitive series against one of those three teams, like you said, like either the Sixers, the Nets, or the Bucks. Like, yeah. yeah. They're going to be really pesky for any team. Yeah, so they're sitting at the sixth spot. They're 28 and 26. They're a half game behind the fifth spot Celtics at 29 and 26. I could see them... I mean, the Hawks are sitting at 30 and 25, so they're, they're a game and a half behind the Hawks. And there's so many, there's so much basketball left. There's like 18, yeah. 19 games left. If they stay in that four, if they get to the four or five range, they're playing either, you know, one of these teams out of the Hawks, Celtics, maybe Hornets, maybe mm-hmm. Knicks. A Heat Knicks matchup <laughs> in, in the four to five would be, would be so fun. It, it would be like, it would, like, defense. it would be like 85 to 82. <laughs> it's like <laughs> early 2000s NBA. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I, I would enjoy that a lot. But <laughs> if, if the Heat play, you know, one of these teams, Hawks, Celtics, Hornets, whatever, in the 4-5 to five matchup, I have, I'm I'm with you. Like, that, that that's an easy win for them um, in, in the first round. I, and they'll be facing either probably the Sixers or the Nets in the second round. And... They would be a problem yeah. for the Sixers. I don't know about the Nets just in terms of talent wise, but it would mm-hmm. both of those series would be pretty hard. Like I, I could see a scenario where they can force the Sixers or the Nets to six or seven games and just make yeah. it tough on them. So I'm I'm I think we're kind of on the same page with them. Uh but those are kind of the mid-tier teams that I had. Uh, was there anyone, any other team kind of in this mid-tier for you? Uh, I have Denver, Portland, Dallas, Miami. Um, mm, I'm looking at the Western Conference, and honestly, I, I'm still, I'm, I think I'm sticking with the with the Mavericks. Like, I see, I see the, I see the Grizzlies at eight. I feel like it's mostly just going to be a fight for eighth between either the Grizzlies, the Spurs, uh, the Warriors, or even the Pelicans. I think the Mavericks have that seven that seven seed unlocked, but that eight seed is just going to be very competitive. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about the play-in. Yeah. Uh, so actually, when I was doing research on the play-in tournament, I this literally this whole season, I was convinced, or 
I don't know why. I was convinced that the playing tournament works like this. Mm-hmm. The seven and ten seed play together or yeah. play against each other, and then yeah. the eight and nine seed play together. That's that's what I thought. But then reading it again, I realized that I was totally wrong, and it changes <laughs> it changes my whole yeah. perspective on the playing game. So, for those that are listening that don't know how it works, here's how it works: Game one. So this is the week before the playoffs. So mm-hmm. the one through six seeds they get a week off, and then during that week is the playing tournament game one is the number seven team in the standings by winning winning percentage will host the number eight team so it's seven versus eight and then nine versus ten with the winner uh earning the seven seed of the playoffs so right now if it's dallas memphis they played against each other and then it's um charlotte and new york yeah they're playing against each other for the play-in one of those teams if they win they automatically lock up the seven spot. On the contrary, we have game two, nine and 10 seed. Um, They move on to the next game and they play the loser of the seven and eight spot. And then the winner of that game three, which is a loser of seven, eight, winner of nine and 10, they get the number eight spot. So that, I thought it was the other way around. I thought it was seven versus 10, nine, but in this case, seven versus eight, eight, nine versus 10. I... This kind of changes my outlook on playing teams. So, for instance, if we're talking about the favorite team, the Warriors, if we stay in the 10th spot and we have to play the Spurs, pretty confident we win that game. And then it's kind of a toss-up between, you know, beating the Grizzlies if they lose against the Mavericks. So it kind of changed my outlook. Like if, if we were the 10 spot and we had to play Dallas and we had to beat them twice to make the playoffs, yeah. then I'd be pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty shaky on that. But this kind of changes the playing tournament. We have eight spots to be in the playing tournament. Uh, we can't talk about all eight teams, obviously right now yeah. that would just take up another two hours. <laughs> of our, <laughs> like two hours of our time. But are there specific, let's say like two ish, two or three teams that interest you in terms of making this late run or kind of shaking things up in a playing tournament. Um, I think my biggest team, at least for the Eastern conference is the Chicago bulls, especially since they added, um, Vucevic in the trade deadline after trading, um, uh, Wendell Carter, I thought they were going to try to make a move for Lonzo ball too, but I'm not sure how they were able to do that after they traded, um, Carter. But I think with the Bulls, actually, let me see. There's they right now they have the tenth, the tenth easiest schedule, um, coming um, towards the end of the season. So they definitely do have a chance to like make some noise and then try to get some more reps in with Vucevic and Levine, like that one-two combo. Um, so that's definitely one team I have in mind. Yeah, the other team I have is also in the Western Conference, the Warriors, uh, just because Steph. Steph Curry just playing like incredible. Like he's just been insane, almost like Kobe in 2006, where he's just single-handedly just carrying his team. Like I was watching that one game against the Bucks, I think last week where they were down by like, I want to say eight or 10 in the final two minutes. And Curry would literally just, um, I don't know, he just went off. So I, I could see the Warriors just making a, making some noise and squeezing into that eighth that eighth slot, if not the seventh. But I just don't know how they would fare against the Mavericks. 
Um, and then, yeah, for the Eastern Conference, just having that Vucha and Levine combo, I can see them either taking out New York or even Charlotte for that 7th or 8th spot. Yeah, so I'm going to push back on the Chicago just because um, I, I think you read the the strength of schedule uh, wrong. So Chicago is sitting at 9, which means they have the ninth hardest. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, so, see, so, see. so, oh, it's flipped. It's yeah, flipped. yeah. So, so, so yeah, at the bottom. So, we have, so Dallas has the actually has an easiest schedule, which actually kind of helps, it helps, helps them a lot them. if, yeah. if they can get to the sixth spot, maybe. Um, so yeah, I mean, Portland has the third hardest, Chicago has a ninth hardest. Okay. Um, if you see down the bottom, Warriors at 26, so that so they have like the fifth easiest. So, okay. yeah, it's those flips. I got, um, I. Got <laughs> I don't have Chicago as my kind of like team I'm looking at. I'm looking at the Knicks actually. Okay. I've I've been really impressed with the Knicks. Uh they've actually been even a little biased, but they've they've yeah. been one of my I think they've been one of my favorite teams to watch throughout mm-hmm. the season. Uh they're a very classic Thibodeau team. <laughs> um let's see, let's see. I think I have these stats here. Uh they're third in defensive rating. Uh, first in opponents' points per game, they're last in pace, which is <laughs> just classic tips. <laughs> um, I like Randall's rise when All Star. I don't think it's fake. I think he's actually yeah. improved. I don't know if you heard about the the Kobe story that that was just yeah told where he was he he was in the gym and mm-hmm. I, I thought that was really cool. And then R.J. Barrett's recent growth after the comments made by Anthony Edwards, how they they were okay with him taking the last shot. And now he's been pretty clutch in the last couple games. Uh, he's at 17, six and three on 45% and 38% from three from shooting, which is, <clears throat> excuse me, really good for him, especially after last season, just what he was compared to jaw and Zion. Um, I'm with you. I think the Warriors are that team to make a little run. I actually think not having Wiseman, who is reported to he is going to have surgery uh, this yeah. week on his meniscus. I actually think him not being there helps them. I actually think that Ubre continuing to being out actually helps them as well. <laughs> um, Ubre is fighting yeah. for his contract next season, yeah. and uh, I know you don't watch every Warriors game, but when when he's in, he's just kind of. The, the the tunnel vision you you could see yeah you could I, definitely I, see I, I see when I watched them <laughs> yeah uh, the Grizzlies and Spurs the Grizzlies have had they have this interesting team I don't think any of the players are bad but I also don't think any of their players are like necessarily that great yeah except for Jaw I like Brandon Clark I like Anthony Melton I like Grayson Allen like I if you name pretty much all their players on the roster, I like Tillman who's coming off their bench. I like all their guys. I just, they don't really move the needle for me. Yeah. So I don't know what kind of run I think they are who they are at this point, given the roster, the Spurs, they still don't really take a lot of threes. They take a lot of mid range jumpers, which is fine. Like I'm not a hater of, taking mid-range jumpers. I actually like that teams are continually to use, utilize that, especially if they have guys like 
DeMar DeRozan and mm-hmm. Murray has some really good mid-range capabilities. If the if the Warriors face the Spurs or the Grizzlies in a playing game, I think they win that, and then they have a chance to kind of make it on that eighth spot, especially if Dallas wins their matchup or if Portland wins there. I other than the Knicks. the Hornets not having Gordon Hayward for less than a month hurts them and then having him to kind of work his way back is going to be tough for them as well they're kind of banged up PJ Washington and and I think Terry Rozier is returning today yeah but Washington has been kind of banged up Um, Malik Monk is still injured so they kind of have stuff to work out and I, the Celtics is interesting, even though they're not in the playing tournament, but they could find themselves in the playing yeah. tournament. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think about the Celtics? They they just won last night against the Blazers. Uh, Tatum hit that the, the last second shot to kind of ice the game for them. But they've had this really weird roller coaster season. Uh, I'm a Laker fan, so I'm like super biased. <laughs> but yeah, I think. Um, their their season has been pretty inconsistent. Um, I was expecting them to at least be like at least within. At least, I don't know. Just they lost. They lost a lot. They lost a lot of games. Um, in the past couple of months. Um, I don't know. I think part of it is just um losing losing Hayward last off season, and then trying to have to rely on people. I think we talked about it last time on the podcast. Like relying on people like Semi Ojale. And then they even lost Daniel Th- Daniel Thais to the to the Bulls. Um, they're just outside of Jalen Jalen Brown, um, outside outside of Brown Tatum and sometimes Kemba, but he can also be inconsistent at times. Like there's really it's really hard to rely on their their role players, which I think is like one of the biggest problems for them. Yeah, no, for sure. It, it, like they, I've been watching a lot of TNT, and and every time they have the Celtics game like Candace Parker and Dwayne Wade always talk about they don't have an identity like even like 50 or so games in the season they just kind of don't know who they are they have Tatum and Brown Kemba has been up and down uh Marcus Smart had a long injury missed 18 games so they're kind of just out of sorts they have young guys they have Pritchard and Robert Williams and and Ojale and Grant Williams and it's just kind of a mess um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't, the Celtics, this season is kind of a wash for them. Yeah. You can kind of tell, um, what other team, I guess, Oh, I haven't talked about the bulls yet, but I sort of agree with the bulls. Like I, I like the Vucevic and Levine pairing. I like that they went for it. They didn't really have to give a lot up for, for Vooch. Um, but they're three and seven with Vooch, even you know with how talented he is. His plus minus is minus seventy six. I don't know how accurate you know that uh, that stat is. They lost a game where they had where Levine had thirty nine and a half last last week on Friday, which was tough, and it was against the Hawks. Um, they just been pretty mediocre. I like Patrick Williams. 
Um, I kind of like the direction that they're going in. And if they stay in the playing tournament, that'll be great. Cause I don't think, I think the Raptors are actually actively tanking. Um, if I don't think the wizards can catch up to them, they are two games behind them, but I, no. <laughs> I, I just, no, I, I just don't think so, but they're interesting. If, if, if they have to play, they have to play the Pacers. If, these seeds kind of hold up. They play the Pacers in a, in a playing tournament, and you know if the Pacers are are there and they're they're a little banged up right now too, I could I could see that game being a toss up, and then they they would have to beat the loser between the Hornets and the Knicks. You know I I could see them making that eight spot, um, but just in terms of being scary and just like having a role going into the playoffs, I just don't see it. But I like the direction. Is there any other team or uh, player or set of players or anything that you want to talk about before we end off here? Um, no, I think I think that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, I I, <clears throat> I agree with a lot with a lot of your points, especially with the Bulls. I I thought I thought that they would um, be better with that Vooch pairing, um, but I think they just have. They just still have to just incorporate their system more and then try to get accustomed with one another. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a ten game sample, so yeah. it's not like it's not like they're they're screwed or anything. But yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I I like the direction though, but and I'm really kind of intrigued with Patrick Williams um, next season for sure. But yeah, I think that's yeah that's um those are kind of like just like the teams that I was looking at for the play in. All right, cool. Well, um, your Twitter again is at hoops hoops Raven, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so go check that out. Go give my guy a follow. Um, happy that uh, you you joined me. I know I texted you like what like two days ago, which is uh, cool. no, it's all good. It's all good. I'm always I'm always happy when you when you send me. <laughs> all right, dope, dope. All right, so until next time. Uh, once again, thanks Raven for joining me. Thanks for having me, man.